This week in KMA Land, Shenandoah Council sets stage three water conservation. Ernst leads U.S. delegation at Israel. Pence blasts Iowa Democrats praise President Biden's leadership. Clemente City Council member resigns, and Shenandoah School Board explores discipline policy. Hi, Mike Peterson. Low water levels in the city's aquifers, coupled with continuing drought, force Shenandoah officials to implement tougher water restrictions this week. By unanimous vote Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council approved a resolution declaring Stage 3 in an effort to conserve water in the community. Stage 3 was enacted at the request of the city's water department. City Water Superintendent Tim Martin outlined the provisions, which included restrictions for watering lawns. Just to break it down really quick, there'll be no hoses used to irrigate, except even houses would be uh, Mondays and odd houses being uh, Thursday. And the, and the hours for the irrigation with those days for people would be 8 to midnight or 6 a.m. to 10 or 8 to midnight in those two four-hour periods. Also included restrictions on washing cars. Car washes. You just use a bucket to wash your car at home. Otherwise, you can go to the car wash. They'll still be open. These restrictions don't go to people who are businesses rely on, like, let's say Earl May, for instance, rely on irrigation for their plants or the car washes themselves. So you'd have to use a bucket to wash your car. Adding water to pools or filling pools is also prohibited. Martin hopes residents use due diligence and abide by the water use restrictions. I spoke to my engineer, and he's looked at the numbers. He thinks that Shenandoah is fairly conservative. Residential-wise, roughly 110 gallons per day per person is pretty conservative. So I think people are pretty good with their water use as we speak. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen says Stage 1 compliance was voluntary. Stage 3 compliance, however, is mandatory. Stage 1, you know, there was no enforcement. Uh, Stage 3 now, there will be enforcements, and you can be in violation if your water bill would uh, increase a lot during this. You know, we'll be monitoring that, and there is uh, civil penalties for that. McQueen says Stage 3 is necessary because of concerns regarding decreased water levels in the city's wells. The Water Department has has done everything they could do. You know, we did this when we uh, enacted stage one. They've done everything they can to slow it down, to to do their part on that. But the wells continue to decrease uh, in levels. And it got to this point that last week they felt that it was getting serious enough that we needed to enact the next step. McQueen says adequate rainfall is needed and river levels must rise in order to replenish H2O in the city's aquifers. We need these wells to come up a significant amount you know, uh, all of them. So it's, it's going to take that and just some really good rains. But yeah, like I say, we need we need the river to come up to be the the best solution to a lot of this. You know, if the nation would get back up to full level, that would that would make a big difference. The mayor adds Shenandoah isn't the only community dealing with water restrictions. He cites Harlan and Osceola as examples. State, local, and national leaders, including those from KMA land, reacted to the deadly attacks by Hamas on Israel and the Gaza Strip this past week. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst met in person with Israel's top leaders as they responded to the terrorist attacks. Ernst says Hamas must be destroyed. We are talking about a terrorist organization that has taken over the Gaza Strip. They are terrorists, no different than Al-Qaeda, no different 
than ISIS. Ernst spoke by phone with Radio Iowa from Jordan after spending much of Tuesday in Israel. The Red Oak Republican and three Democrats from the U.S. House met with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu as well as the leader of the opposition party in Israel. Ernst is having a bipartisan delegation from the U.S. meet with Israel's leaders, send a powerful message. There was no daylight in any of our views as we stood with uh, the leadership of Israel, as well as those Americans who are dual citizens uh, here in Israel. Ernst, a retired Iowa National Guard officer who served in Iraq, says Hamas chose last weekend to strike, knowing it was a major Jewish holiday and there would be many Americans visiting family in Israel. Israel declared war on Sunday. I know that there have been protests even in Iowa, um, people standing with Hamas, and we need them to understand that this organization is exactly like ISIS. Hamas burst through border walls in Saturday's attacks and has been firing rockets at Israel's capital all this week. Israel's Iron Dome defense system has repelled thousands of rockets. Ernst says the U.S. must provide Israel with additional intelligence as well as munitions to restock the Iron Dome. Ernst says the sadness and terror in Israel is palpable. One of the Americans Ernst met in Israel had just attended the funeral of his 18-year-old son's best friend. It's devastating to hear about family members that were hauled away by Hamas, um, children that were burned alive. Um, We would never tolerate that in our own nation. Why would we allow that to happen in the nation of Israel, our closest ally and partner? The Hamas-Israeli crisis was the focus of at least one GOP presidential hopeful visiting KMA land this week. During a campaign stop in Red Oak last Saturday, former Vice President Mike Pence strongly condemned last weekend's attack on Israel by Hamas militants. The former Indiana governor and congressman says President Biden has shown a lack of leadership on the world stage. That disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan has emboldened the enemies of freedom around the world. War is raging in Eastern Europe. China continues to menace in the Asia Pacific. And the fact that last two and a half years, different than isolating Iran, which we did in our administration, Joe Biden has been kowtowing to the mullahs in Tehran, begging them to get back in the Iran nuclear deal. And just one month ago, transferred $6 billion in ransom aid uh, to Iran, which no doubt has made its way into helping to fuel the unprecedented assault on Israel that's taking place today. Pence also emphasized that the U.S. should ensure they provide military support and other needs to Israel. Meanwhile, in domestic affairs, Pence says he has been a strong proponent of agriculture, including ethanol production. I know ethanol isn't just, doesn't just benefit the farmers that you know, produce the corn and doesn't just produce the people that work at the ethanol plants. It's I was talking to some cattlemen yesterday. We were burning some meat down the road at a grill, and these cattlemen, the cattlemen industry in Iowa has boomed in western Iowa in the last five years because of byproducts from ethanol production. Pence also visited Sydney, Mount Air, and Greenfield Friday and stopped in Glenwood last Saturday morning. Support for President Biden's action in the wake of the Hamas-Israeli incident came from the other side of the political spectrum. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Thursday morning, Iowa Democratic Party Chair Rita Hart says the president has demonstrated strong leadership in condemning Hamas's attack on Israel. You know, I'm just really taken by the misery that it created here. And, and so I'm personally grateful for President Biden's leadership. I mean, I think that he has been very strong here and has been quick to come out against the horrific 
kinds of stories that we're hearing that are coming out of this war situation. And it's easy to criticize, but I think President Biden is leading and being very thoughtful about his approach. Hart says Iowa Republicans' continued support of former President Donald Trump is baffling considering the 91 charges in four separate indictments facing him. Though Trump defeated Biden in Iowa by nine percentage points in the 2020 presidential election, Hart believes Iowa Democrats are united behind the president's re-election bid in 2024. You know, I've been traveling across the state uh, quite a lot over the last few weeks, and I can tell you that Democrats are determined to make sure that this president is re-elected. Iowans, I think, are very practical in nature, and they understand that age is just a number, and what really matters is what has been delivered. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley joined the chorus of U.S. politicians condemning the recent terror attacks on Israel. Speaking on his weekly public affairs program, Grassley said the U.S. is standing behind one of its longest allies in the region. The new Hartford Republican applauded the indirect support the country is currently providing. Nobody doubts that the United States supports the creation as well as the stability of the state of Israel, as well as condemning this attack by Hamas. Uh, we're, uh, we're standing firmly behind them. We're telling the whole world we're doing it. Grassley says one of those ways is moving military equipment to the country on an as-needed basis. Earlier this week, the Pentagon began moving an aircraft carrier strike group, as well as squadrons of fighter jets closer to Israel following the weekend attack. And hopefully none of that has to be used, but it's there if it does have to be used. And then we're working in the Congress to make sure that uh, when, when, we're, when the speakership is filled and the Senate is in session, we can give the resources to Israel that they're going to need. During a press conference Thursday, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken announced they have confirmed at least 25 American citizens killed in Israel. As the November 7th citywide and school board elections near, the Clarinda City Council suddenly has a pending vacancy. During Wednesday night's regular meeting, Councilman Matt Ridge announced he would resign this month from his elected position. First elected to the council in 2017, Ridge has spent nearly six years on the council. Due to a career opportunity that has presented itself to keep me from fulfilling council duties further, so help me While Wednesday was his final meeting, Ridge adds he's still formulating an effective date for his resignation. Ridge also joined the council at a similar time to now Mayor Clemenda Craig Hill, who thanked him for his service. I'd also like to thank you. Given the timing of the resignation, City Manager Gary McLarnon says the city cannot place the vacancy on the November election ballot. Thus, McLarnon adds the council has options to discuss at its next meeting. You have the choice to either fill, fill it with an appointment, fill a vacancy with an appointment, which has to be done within 60 days of the effective date. That's why I was asking you that. Or you can call for a special election. So those will be your two options that you'll talk about at the next meeting. If the council decides, McLarnon says a special election would be held early next year. Ridge's resignation also comes as three openings in the council are on the November ballot. Incumbents Kaylee Neal and Austin Ashrell are running to fill two of those positions. However, no challengers filed nomination papers. Councilman Jeff McCall, who has been on the council for nearly 16 years, 
has opted not to run for re-election. Another Page County resident is sounding off on road conditions. Meeting in regular session Thursday night, the county's Board of Supervisors heard from county resident Sherry Hunter, who expressed concerns over the quality of the patchwork down on Hackberry and JA64 near Blanchard in College Springs. Hunter notes several larger patches that she felt were not as high of quality as in previous years. So they did one patch job on Hackberry and 310, which is J64. There's one little patch job there. And then um, there's several patches that that they did. And I don't know if patch is probably not the right word, where they tore it all out and re-concreted. And they have done that in the past. And it's, it's excellent. You can see the old work, how great it is. And then you can see the new work and how... It doesn't even look finished on the top. Hunter also asked whether the patchwork was completed. County engineer J.D. King confirmed crews on the project were finished. However, King adds the patchwork on certain portions of 64 is done almost yearly. For some reason, a piece of concrete west of Oak for about two miles is, is deteriorated way worse than the entire rest of the, the J64, and it was all it's all done by the state before they turn it over to the county. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a good explanation why it, that part has failed and the rest of it hasn't. It's not perfectly smooth, but it's better than it was as far as coming apart and creating traffic hazard. King added the slightly less smooth surface is likely due to doing larger patches in previous years. He says they originally planned on roughly 600 square yards of patchwork and ended up doing nearly twice as much. Clarinda school officials are moving ahead with one phase of a major revamping of the district's facilities. By unanimous vote Wednesday evening, the Clarinda School Board set a public hearing for October 25th at 5 p.m. on plans, specifications, form of contracts, and estimated costs for construction of the Clarinda High School Improvement Project and HVAC upgrades at the elementary school. Plans call for using the district's Secure and Advanced Vision for Education or SAVE dollars to cover the projects. Matt Trinkle, senior project manager with SiteLogic, outlined the proposal at a board meeting last month. Trinkle says the project scope includes additional classrooms at Clarinda's 712 complex and electrical distribution upgrades at both the 712 and pre-K-6 buildings. Also targeted, much-needed air conditioning and heat infrastructure work. We're replacing um, air handling units in the, um, in the cafeteria area, in the commons area in the high school. The existing quad classrooms are getting in heating and ventilating, air conditioning upgrade, as are the some of the exterior classrooms around the, around the perimeter. In the elementary school, it's a little bit smaller scope. We've got, again, the, just an electrical system upgrade. We've got a cooling tower replacement there. We've got a uh, HVAC improvements for new mechanical units for each one of the classrooms in the elementary school. School officials stress the SAVE projects are separate from those included in the $10.3 million bond issue in the November 7th general election. During Wednesday's board meeting, Clarenda School Superintendent Jeff Privia says administrators continue to fan out across the district, giving presentations on the bond issue referendum at various community meetings. Mrs. Ehlers, Mr. Cox, and I have completed about 13 different presentations so far uh, on the bond issue. We've got about seven to eight more to go, and I may have picked up a couple more today. 
Um, so we are still doing our road show and we can try and inform everybody that we can and get in front of every group that we can. More open houses are scheduled on the bond issue October 18th and November 1st from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Clarinda 712 Complex. More information regarding the bond issue referendum is available from the Clarinda School District's website. Like other school officials or school districts, Shenandoah is taking a second look at its discipline procedures. Superintendent Dr. Kerry Nelson told the Shenandoah School Board Monday afternoon the Iowa Department of Education recently provided model policies for addressing students making threats of violence or causing violent incidents. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Nelson says the policies are connected to regulations in the Iowa Code regarding student violence. As we review those, it's a large change in how we approach assessing threats and then determining what discipline is appropriate based on age appropriateness and the severity of the threat. We've spent some time internally discussing this as a staff and then also as an administrative team. But ultimately, the board is going to have to make a decision about what the policy looks like and what it includes. Nelson says the proposed policies are different from those already on the district's books. We have policies that talk about student discipline and threats, and it gives a lot of authority to the administrative staff to make those decisions. It also refers to involving law enforcement as necessary and whether or not building-level discipline, suspension, in school or out of school, or whether or not expulsion is appropriate in each of those types of settings. This policy is a little different because it talks about the severity of the threat and it also talks about the age level of the student, which is a little different than our current policies. While saying establishing unified discipline policies for all districts isn't possible, the superintendent adds it's important to set a philosophy, tone, and parameters schools will follow. It was brought forth by um, the Iowa legislature that they wanted to address violence and threats in schools. We're dealing with more violence than we ever have before in schools nationwide, and Iowa schools are not exempt from that, and so it's best that we have conversations about how to approach this and develop stronger policies so that we can best protect our students and our staff. More discussion regarding the district's discipline policies is expected at future school board meetings. KMA Land medical officials were among those pleased to the Page County Board of Supervisors recently declaring EMS an essential service. The supervisor's decision came at a recent meeting, and it was the first in a process leading to a vote next spring on a county tax levy referendum for emergency services. Shenandoah Medical Center CEO Matt Sells tells KMA News the move was a big win for EMS service providers around the county. It's a huge win. We're grateful for the support. Um, we've had a lot of conversations over the last years, or the last year with uh, each of the individual members of the Board of Supervisors, and, you know, they, they've really... Uh, been great to work with as we've been talking about this. They, they've really taken the time to get educated on the issues and understand uh, kind of what's going on from a, you know kind of the epidemic that we're dealing with in emergency medical services. Currently, Page County has two paid EMS services, including Shenandoah Ambulance Service, a partnership between SMC and the city of Shenandoah, and Clarinda EMS out of the Clarinda Regional Health Center. Sell says a nationwide shortage of workers in an ever-expanding coverage area as volunteer services dwindle have created a dire need for EMS providers across the state. That wraps up this week in KMA Land.
Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. From the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This Week in KMA Land, a presentation of KMA News.